morning. Y'all got quiet when I stood up. I, makes me feel more important than I am, I think. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here and happy Father's Day. It's always a joy to come to the house of the Lord and on special days it's even nicer when we can recognize uh, people for various things. And so at this time would all of our fathers stand and be recognized. You may be seated and thank you for coming and being a part of this service today. If you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. There is a tear-off on the bulletin. Uh, if you have a prayer concern, you also can place that in the offering plate. There is a place for prayer concerns on the card uh, as well. Dwight is with a group uh, from the church camping, and that's why he's not here this morning. So uh, just letting you know what's going on with him. The opportunities of the week are listed in your bulletin. He will be back for the encounter service tonight at 5 and then the youth at 6. And the other announcements are pretty standard announcements, uh, with the exception that on Wednesday there will be a VBS planning meeting at 6.30, but that is the only evening activity because we've switched into summer mode and uh, we will resume our Wednesday night activities and suppers um, at the week after Labor Day. Uh, but we will have our midweek Bible study uh, and prayer service at 11 a.m. And on Thursday at 7 o'clock, the endowment team uh, will meet. Uh, I have an announcement uh, from Sandra that I need to read to you. I tried to print it off, and the printer downstairs was not cooperating. I think it was Sunday, so it was taking the day off. But I do have this announcement to make from my cell phone, but it's from an email. Mission Awareness Day for Children and Adults is Tuesday, June 19th, 10 a.m. to noon at New Bethesda Baptist Church in Mechanicsville. International Mission Board Missionary Scott Spalding from Istanbul and Mike Lopez will be speaking. The kids will have a craft, games, and their own time with the missionaries. Please bring a bag lunch. Dessert and drink will be provided. And if you need any more information about it, Sandra's in the back and will be glad to talk to you about transportation or whatever else you, you might be uh, interested in. But uh, the time for that is 10 a.m. to noon, and it's this Tuesday. So that's why it was important to get the announcement out. And the reason the announcement is just coming now is she didn't get all the information until the end of last week as to when this would be. So I wanted to make sure that um, you were aware of that as well. And then uh, Paula King has an announcement to make. So Paula, come and make your announcement. Hola. Yes, I'm learning Spanish for our Dominican trip. Freddie's very happy that I've learned a word. But we are studying and meeting together to prepare for the trip. And next Sunday, we will have a lunch after church of um, some famously prepared spaghetti, and we're asking everyone to bring homemade ice cream for dessert, and we will do the same thing with voting on the best ice cream that we did for the brownies. So we're hoping that we'll have lots of good, refreshing, different flavors for that lunchtime. Um, also, we will um, do an auction of our youth and adults that are participating in the youth camp and the Dominican trip. There's two separate trips. 
and um, they'll be auctioning services and other things. So um, come prepared to bid on some things and some services that you might need, but all the um, donations that we receive from this lunch will help support these two trips. And the lunch will be um, by donation. It's not a set price, but in the past when we've done this, we've just asked people to um, think about what they would spend for their lunch out after church on Sunday and give accordingly. So we hope that everyone will come and um, enjoy that time with us. Thank you, Paula. And the uh, carnations this morning in front of me that grace our sanctuary are given in loving memory of and in honor of our fathers. Uh, next year, if we decide to do this, we'll try to make sure that we announce many weeks in advance because some of you didn't hear about it, but it has been in the newsletter and it also was in the update. And so I'm sorry if you uh, didn't hear about it. If you uh, got a carnation, uh, feel free to get one after the service. Uh, I will say this to you. I have three carnations there. If you want one of mine, you're welcome to take it, but don't come more than three and take them because uh, I got them to try to help out the cause, to tell you the truth. And then I'm in trouble because I forgot to put one in in honor of Janet's father. So I'm going to say that publicly to you. We can count one for two there, okay? So uh, anyway, but we are glad that these carnations are here this morning. And again, if you did order one, you're welcome to take it at the conclusion of the service. Now let us worship God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness. Say it one more time like you really mean it. Amen. Amen. Okay, turn in your hymnals to page 386. Brethren, we have come to worship. That is going to be our call to worship. You know you get to go talk and mingle before you sing. But as you sing this song, clear your minds of whatever's going on in your life and really use this hour together to worship God. Brethren, we have come to worship. Becky will be leading us, but for now, keep your hymnals handy. Stand up and go hug somebody, a stranger. We're not strangers in church. Give them a handshake and praise God.
Shall we pray? Our Lord and our God, indeed we have come to worship you. Your love transcends even our understanding of the word. And we are grateful for this time together. We are grateful that we can honor and remember our fathers on this day. And for what they have meant to us. And for others in our lives who served as father figures, we are grateful. We pray, Father, that as we come together this morning, that you will accept our praise and our adoration. That we might listen and hear a word from you. We're grateful for the power of your redeeming love. In the name of Jesus, amen. On this Father's Day, I invite you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 653 as we sing God Give Us Christian Homes. Let's stand together, hymn number 653.
in your bulletin, you have on the one side of the copy that you received of the 2018 Carnations, uh, a responsive reading entitled, A Godly Father Learns. I will read the um, fine print and you read the bold print in response. What does it take to become a godly father? Effort, commitment, honesty, patience, endurance, strength, self-control, love, wisdom, faith, and prayer. But how does a man gain all of these qualities? A godly father learns. He learns when to speak and when to listen. He learns when to plan and when to be spontaneous. A godly father learns. He learns when to be a leader and when to let another lead. He learns when to discipline and when to embrace. A godly father learns. He learns when to give support and when to withhold or withdraw his support. A godly father learns. How can a father learn all of these actions? A godly father learns by accepting that he is always in a learning process. He does not have all the answers or all the skills, but he can learn from the one who knows all things, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Amen. I invite you to again take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 18. We're going to sing that wonderful praise chorus, Glorify Thy Name. Let's stand together as we sing hymn number 18.
and remain standing for our offertory prayer. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Let us pray. Father God, full of grace and full of truth, we come before you this day to worship your holy name, to lift your name on high, for you and only you are worthy, almighty king. For you are great and greatly to be praised. Your greatness is immeasurable. We thank you, Father, for this day that we set aside for Father's Day to honor our fathers. We thank you for godly fathers, recognizing that you are our heavenly Father. May we honor both you and our earthly fathers in all that we do and say. We come before you now, Father, recognizing, giving unto you a portion of what you had entrusted unto us, realizing that all that we have is yours. May you use these tithes and offerings, Father, to further your kingdom and to proclaim your name. Grant us wisdom in the use of these offerings. For it's in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And all of God's people said,
May we go to the Lord in prayer again. Eternal God, we bow in your presence again with thanksgiving in our hearts for every good and every perfect gift. For we know, Father, they come from you. And so we give thanks. We have already given thanksgiving for our fathers and we pray, Father, that as we honor them today, that we might be reminded of the great sacrifice that you made for us as you gave your son to die for our sins, showing your love to us. We're thankful for our earthly fathers who teach us and show us. We're thankful, Father, for the gift that each of us is to one another. For indeed, life is a gift, precious, as you have shown us your willingness to die so that we might live. We're thankful, Father, for each person here this morning. For we come, Father, from various backgrounds, but with the same thing in mind. To worship you. We pray for those who are not with us because of illness. For those who are recuperating from surgery. For those, Father, who are facing uncertain days. For those, Father, who are confined to rehab facilities, we lift them to you. And know, Father, that you can encourage them and embrace them and bring strength and healing to their bodies. For those who have lost loved ones even in recent days, Father, we lift them before you and pray that your comfort would encompass them in such a way that they could feel the power of your love. We're grateful, Father, for our missionaries, for their work here and around the world. We're grateful, Father, that as we minister in the name of Jesus Christ, that lives can be touched and transformed. We're thankful, Father, for this church. We pray for those, Father, of our church family who are away on retreat and will return in just a little while. We pray for their safety. We pray for their refreshment and spiritual renewal as we seek renewal for ourselves. As we open your word this morning to a very familiar story, Father, help us to listen with new insight and new understanding. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Our scripture reading this morning is found in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Familiar passage of scripture, probably one of the most familiar in all of scripture. But we will read it under the heading Fathers and the Father as we remember Father's Day and as we listen for a word for all of us. So we begin reading at verse 11 through the end of the chapter. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as, his son of, uh, uh, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Professional baseball has been played in America since 1875, but on September 14th, 1990, something happened that has never happened before or since. Late in his career, Ken Griffey Sr., who had been a key member of the World Series champion Cincinnati Reds years before, was signed by the Seattle Mariners. His son, Ken Griffey Jr., was just starting his major league career. In the first inning of a game against the Angels, Griffey Sr. hit a home run to left center field. His son followed him to the plate and hit another home run to almost exactly the same spot. 
It was the only time a father and son had hit back-to-back home runs in baseball history. Ken Griffey Jr. said later that his father greeted him at the plate saying, That's how you do it, son. There are few joys that can compare to seeing our children and grandchildren succeed. Whether it's on a ball field, at a music recital, in an academic competition, or most importantly, in a spiritual setting, seeing a child demonstrate character and competence is a true pleasure. But this victory is not something that just happens. Every right performance, every victory over temptation, every accomplishment is the result of a concerted effort to prepare for the moment of challenge. Jesus called God Father. In this intimate and intensely personal name, Jesus swept away all speculative attempts to name the mystery. Other names for God, the unmoved mover, first cause and ground of being, all suffer by comparison to Jesus' simple appeal to our Father, which art in heaven. In the story of the prodigal son, Jesus has given us a parable that can be mined again and again for its wealth of insight into God's way with his children. The story is the father's story. He is the central character when the story is heard as a whole. Jesus' point is clear. Our heavenly father is like this earthly father who loves both his sons and waits eagerly for each return and reconciliation. The two sons are decidedly different. But they have one thing in common that should transcend all divisive tendencies. They have the same father. One son, the younger, is typical of the rebellious adolescent, driven by the desire to escape the family situation in order to be his own man. We must recognize that the story flows on two levels. Although a young man needs to establish his own identity and independence as a mature, responsible adult, No person ever becomes so mature that he can declare his independence of God. And yet we live in a world and in a society that does just that. We live in a time where people do not feel the need for God. Much like this son who decided he no longer needed his father, his father's guidance, or his father's protection and security. He wanted what was his and he was ready to strike out on his own. He knew more than the father. The usual custom was for property to be divided among the sons after the death of the father and in accordance with his last will. Property could be settled on children as a gift, however, during the life of the parent. They then had no further claim on the family's possessions. In other words, they would be written out of the will because they had their portion. Usually the profits from property so acquired would begin to go to the beneficiary only after the death of the father. But in this case, however, the son acquires the right to exchange his property immediately for negotiable wealth. And that's what he does. The command to honor parents 
was understood concretely as the responsibility to care for them in old age. But the young man severed relations with his father and journeyed to a far country as if to say to his father, give me what belongs to me and I don't care what happens to you. The sin of the son was not that he requested his share of the property. It was rather that he cut himself off from his father's love and care and denied his just claims. In so doing, he also denied his own status as son. This was the condition of the sinners whom Jesus had called to repentance. They had forgotten who they were. It is a condition which all people share who in their passion for the exotic pleasures of some far country or in their stubborn self-will take the control of their lives into their own hands and as always occurs, they make a mess of it. This son did not know the providential care he had in his father's home. This son thought that what his father was giving to him was the material possessions of life, the things that he thought would bring him security and happiness and joy and satisfaction, only to find later that it was never, ever going to be enough. After he had squandered his wealth, he made the decision to return home. The kind of homecoming a prodigal son can expect always depends on the kind of father he had to go back home to. The father in this story is simply waiting on the son to come back. Notice that he waited. He waits in the peculiar agony known only to fathers who love their prodigal son. It is an agony compounded of hope and fear. Each day brings fresh hope for the son's return. Each moment is pregnant with the terrible dread that the son may destroy himself in the far country. He waited. He waited for the son to return. Have you ever waited on someone to come home? Have you ever worried and fretted and stewed over if they would come when they were expected? I used to have a Boston Bulldog. I loved her dearly. Her name was Dolly Madison. You all never met Dolly. Dolly passed away years ago. But at the time I had Dolly, I lived across the street from the church I served. And there was a window that faced the church in the living room. And there was a footstool there or an ottoman that we sat in front of the radiator that was in front of the window. And whenever I would cross the street, I could always look back if the curtains were closed and there was Dolly with her head peeping through where she pulled the curtain back to look at where I was going. I could step out of the church building at any time and there she would be looking and waiting on me to come home. I had to travel to Louisville, Kentucky when I was doing doctoral work and I was out there for three weeks and Janet said for four days Dolly sat in that window pulling that curtain back, looking to see if I was coming home. That's the picture I get of this father. Never quite content with what was going on. Always waiting and watching and hoping that his son would return. 
Fathers who want to be like the Father can glean two great truths from today's scripture reading. First, fathers learn how to treat their children by considering God's way with them. And second, fathers can enrich their understanding of God the Father from experience they have as human fathers. The first truth helps fathers in a practical way to excel in the most important job a man can do to be an effective father. The second truth helps fathers use the insights they have gained from being fathers to fulfill the most important privilege a man is ever given to worship and rejoice in God the Father. But men learn how to be fathers by watching God's way of fathering them. God the Father never stops loving and neither should human fathers. The father in the parable waited and watched for his son to return. Jesus does not say how long, but we can infer that he would have waited and watched for as long as his son was gone. Fathers and mothers sometimes go through recurring anguish over the negligence and recklessness of their children. How long should we care? How long should we keep on watching? As long as it takes. God loves His people with an everlasting love and fathers are called to love their children in the same manner. Never ever does God give up on us. God the Father balances freedom with responsibility and so should human fathers. The younger son was free to leave. The father does not forsake his own character and goals to chase after his son. He lets his son go. Father painfully allows the son to find his own way back. When the boy returns broken and repentant, the father rejoices. But he will not let his boy back home on his son's terms. Do you see that? The boy was born to be a son, even though he said, Make me like one of your hired men. The boy was born to be a son and the father will not let him retreat from his responsibility. It is easier to be a servant than an heir. When we have been wounded in our self-confidence, shaken, we are often willing to settle for security alone. But God's tough love places the responsibility of sonship squarely on our shoulders. God's confidence that we can be sons and daughters gives us courage to be just that. This father would not let his son shirk his responsibility of being a son. He took him back, but he took him back on his terms. You are my child, he is saying. You are not a hired servant. You will not hide with my servants. You will be my son. You will live up to your responsibilities. This boy had found out the hard way where his security rested. God loves all his children, and so should human fathers. The elder brother was jealous because of all the attention being lavished on, as he said, this son of yours. He was not so ready to welcome him back, was he? He would not call him his brother. You never gave me so much as a kid goat, but for him you killed the fatted calf. How is that fair? The elder son's feelings are mirrored in millions of elder brothers who feel they have been treated unjustly. It appears to the older son that his brother's wantonness has been rewarded while his own faithfulness is unappreciated. But look at the father's attitude. Son, you have been with me. We have shared together, planned together, 
work together, and laugh together. Meanwhile, your brother has been absent from our joy. Look what he has missed. He's been hurt, rejected, and shamed. We must try to make it up to him. He's home now. And we need to celebrate. Oh, how God celebrates when one of his children comes home. Why is it that we give an invitation? Why is it that we look at stories like this? We do so to recognize what God is willing to do for us. He waits on us patiently. Many Christians betray a deeply pagan view of the world when they secretly think that people in the world are the ones who are really enjoying life and having all the fun. Living with the Father is what heaven is all about. Those who live in His presence are now tasting in advance what heaven will be like. We are immature if we think we need more reward than His presence. And we are blind to think the sin of the world does not exact its own punishment from which a loving Father wants to redeem us. The father loved both of his sons equally. Their different needs, however, required of him different expressions of that love. Wise earthly fathers also seek to be sensitive to the different needs of their children. This father knew at least a little bit of what each son was feeling. He rejoiced in the fact that the one son had been with him living under the security of his roof and his nurture. And he also understood that the other son would never feel the same in regard to the circumstances he had put himself in. The experiences of human fathers can also help them enrich their understanding of the heavenly father. God cannot allow us to do everything we want to do. When a young father first has to deny his child a request and is unable to fully explain to the child the reason for his decision, he knows something of the dilemma God faces with his children. In moments like these, a father learns to be thankful that neither does the Heavenly Father give us everything we ask for in prayer. Indeed, we might pray more often, Thank you, Lord, for not answering the prayer I prayed last year. God is quiet sometimes because His children are not ready to listen. Let me say that again. God is quiet sometimes because His children are not ready To listen. This child of this father was not ready to listen to anything his father had to say until after his return. A father held his four-year-old child in his arms. She was angry and hurt. She could not understand why he would not let her do something that she wanted to do. He knew he couldn't explain his reasoning in a way that she could understand. He just knew she couldn't do it. So for a while he just held her as she beat her little hands on his chest. After a while she fell asleep, her fury exhausted. He held her while she slept. When his little girl awoke, she looked up and smiled, hugged his neck and said, I love you and ran off to play. 
in that moment, the father understood a little better why the heavenly father sometimes stays silent in the face of our bitter questions and angry accusations. We are not ready to hear what he has to say. We are not ready, maybe not yet able to understand what God would like to say to us. So he holds on to us and waits. In his not letting go, he speaks the most eloquent eloquent language of all. Sometimes our earthly children aren't ready to listen or hear what we have to say. But we must be patient and hold on. God wants his children to love one another. God gains great joy and pleasure from the love and attention his children share with one another. On the other hand, he feels the sharp pain a father feels when his children turn on one another with divisive and bitter emotions. No wonder we are admonished in the scriptures to love one another. This father loved this son even when in reality the son didn't care whether his father lived or died. When Jesus called God Father, he helped us to worship God with more understanding. He also helped us to be better fathers and mothers when he showed how the heavenly father cares for his children and waits for us. The most tragic and heart-rending cry in the Old Testament is the cry of David when he received the news of the death of his foolish and traitorous son, Absalom. A careful study of the relationship of Israel's great king with his son reveals that Absalom's errancy could in no small measure be laid at David's door. But the poignancy of David's cry carries with it the sense of his own personal responsibility, of his own failed understanding of what it meant to be Absalom's father when in 2 Samuel 18.33 he cries, Oh my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would God I had died for you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Even his traitorous son who had done whatever he could do to destroy his father David. David still, still loved him. Sentence me, a modern father said to the judge before whom his son stood to receive the sentence for a crime he had committed. I've been so busy all my life making money, going through the chairs of my lodge, serving on boards and committees, I failed to concern myself with my boy. I alone am to blame. Undoubtedly, many a youth serving a sentence in prison or reformatory could point an accusing finger at his father who spent his all, all his spare time on secondary matters to the neglect of his high responsibility of fatherhood. And I guarantee you this, if you ask your children what mattered to them most as they were growing up, they will give you something that you did with them. Some time you spent with them. Not something you gave them, but the time you spent with them. Remember when we did this? Remember when we went there? That's what you'll hear. Time makes the difference. All of us have been born into a natural family. We have all had a human father or father figure. But God also wants us to have a heavenly father. He wants to be our father now and forever. He wants to help make up for what a human father did not or could not give us. 
He wants to build on all the good experiences we have had with fathers to help us know fully how much we are loved. No matter where you have been or how discouraged you may feel, He is ready to help you become a son or daughter in His glorious eternal family. Much like this father waited on his son, God calls to us, come home. Come home to me. This father in this story responded to the elderly son, elder son in this way. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. And is alive again. And was lost. And is found. Oh that we could be a father like this father. That we could be parents like this father. And recognize the frailties of our children. And know that in spite of all circumstances. God loves them. And God loves you. And he wants us to love one another. Shall we pray? Father, this is an old, old story. A story that many of us have heard many times. But the story is always new and fresh. Because it points us to you. It shows us how willing you are to care for us, to wait on us. Help us, Father, to listen for your call as we seek to be your servants. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus is tenderly calling. He calls to all of us. This father did not call for his son. He waited on his son. But in waiting, he was rewarded. And was able to show his son how much love he had for him. And how willing he was to secure his life once again. The only way we can find this security is in the presence of God. The only way we can have this security is to give our lives to Him. And so the invitation is open to anyone who would receive our Savior. Will you stand as we sing hymn number 417?
Well, happy Father's Day again. Most of you already know this, but I'm going to tell you so that you all know at the same time, Janet and I are going to be grandparents, so I'm going to be a grandfather. December the 13th is the due date. Josh and Aaron are expecting, and we're as excited as we can be about that. So I wanted to let you all know that officially. I've been sitting on this news as a whole to tell you since April 1st, and it's been killing me (laughs) to wait that long to tell you. Uh, so anyway, I want to let you know that. So we all, uh, I've heard what it's like to have grandchildren and I look forward to seeing what that is like, uh, with the Christmas baby that's coming. So anyway, wanted to share that with you this morning. Thank you for being here. We had 96 in the first service. I think some of them were going with daddy to other places this, uh, uh, morning. So, uh, we were glad to have that number in the first service and I'm glad to see you here. Remember, if you took a carnation, you can, uh, come and get one. I think I'll take my three, and that way I'll make sure that you don't cheat. No, 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 no. Uh, That way I can make sure that the inventory is right. Let's say it that way. Uh, Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we bow in your presence and leave today, we do so with the full assurance that you go with us, that you show us the way, and that you have waited for us as we respond to you. We're thankful, Father, for the love shown to us each day through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're thankful for our fathers and for this day that we can remember and celebrate with them. Bless us as we depart. In the name of Jesus, amen.